0: Welcome to our service. I hope you can excuse my voice. I I don't know quite why, what's happened to my throat or my vocal cords, but it might have something to do with air conditioning. <laughs> anyway, I hope you bear with me. Um, my main announcement is that I will be on holiday for the next four Sundays. If you are watching the videos, I will put a link to someone's online service on the Redeemer Lutheran Church Davidson Facebook page. And for the podcast, there may just be a hiatus of four weeks. It's possible I'll put something up for one or two weeks, but there may just be a gap. So if you're listening to the podcast, that's that's what's happened. Um, We haven't disappeared, but we've just disappeared for a little bit. And then when I come back, assuming that things are good pandemic-wise, I am going to stop doing the video service because I really need the time to write (laughs) sermons and to visit and to do other things. But I am planning to record our services and make a podcast and just put an audio file on YouTube. That's, that's the plan. And I don't think I have any more announcements. I hope you all are having a good summer. If you're local, I look forward to seeing you Let's pray together the prayer of the day. God of the covenant, in our baptism, you call us to proclaim the coming of your kingdom. Give us the courage you gave the apostles that we may faithfully witness to your love and peace in every circumstance of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading is from 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, 9 and 10. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time while Saul was king over us, it was you who led out Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people Israel, you who shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years at Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. David occupied the stronghold and named it the city of David. David built the city all around from the Millo inwards, and David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. Our psalm is Psalm 48. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great kings, king. Within its citadels, God has shown himself a sure defense. Then the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there, pains as of a woman in labor, as when an east wind shatters the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God establishes forever." We ponder your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. Your name, O God, like your praise, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with victory. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go all around it. Count its towers Consider well its ramparts, go through its citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide forever. The second reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 2 to 10. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak... Then I am strong. The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except In their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house and he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them and he was amazed at their unbelief then he went about among the villages teaching he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and giving them authority over the unclean spirits He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Sometimes during the night, I think of something, you know, you wake up and you go, oh, that's a brilliant insight. I've got to mark it down somehow so I don't forget and often in the morning, of course, they don't seem that brilliant. But anyway, I feel like I got to record them somehow. And so what I do is I, I type them into my iPad, which is beside my bed. Well, I remember one night I intended to type something that included the phrase strength and weakness from 2 Corinthians. and. I must have made some kind of spelling mistake. I'm sure I made more than one because it was dark. And (laughs) as I discovered in the morning, the AI in the spell check decided that what I most likely intended to type was strength in sneakiness. And it it struck me as really funny, but it also makes a certain sense. Because, you know, the AI, calculates what's the most probable sequence of words and you know how likely is strength and weakness who would say that it's not the way most people think and speaking of that speaking of how most people think or don't think let's talk about the gospel jesus must have had some misgivings about going back to nazareth It it is not easy to preach to your own family or in your own little town where people have known you since you were a little kid. I I read somewhere there were maybe 400 people in Nazareth, it's hard to be sure, but that's a good guess, I guess, at 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 that time, in the time of Jesus. So everybody knew everybody and a lot of the people would have been related. I think if you've ever lived in a small town, you know how it is. But Jesus goes anyway, even though it's not that long ago that his family tried to restrain him, whatever that means, because people were saying he was out of his mind. But he goes, it's home. It's home after all. And people in Nazareth need to hear the good news too. So he goes, if we can't face the hometown folks, How will he face the chief priest, the power of Rome? How will he face the cross? He knows this is only the beginning of the opposition. And he goes. And in fact, it's it's a disaster. He's amazed at their unbelief, so it's even worse than he expected. If we think about what this must have been like for him, this is a painful story. These are family and friends this is his home community. And they reject him. Seems to start out pretty good. And he goes to the synagogue. It's the Sabbath. And I guess they, they, they probably invite him to speak. He begins to speak, to teach. And they're astounded. They're astounded by his wisdom and his deeds of power. And Mark says that he doesn't do any deeds of power in Nazareth, just a few healings. But they must have heard stories. No doubt people have been talking for some time. Did you hear what Jesus has been doing? Did you hear what he did at such and such a place? Did you hear what he said? They're astounded. Where did he get all this, they ask? Because it's not like he's had a lot of education, as far as we know. We know the answer. We know where he got all this because... Mark tells us at the very beginning of the gospel. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So we know, but they don't. And then things start to turn, right? Isn't this a carpenter? They say, well, that word translated as carpenter, tecton can mean a carpenter, or it can mean a stone mason, or it can mean a few other kind of related things. We we sometimes imagine Jesus building, you know, e- end tables and bookcases, but that's not very likely. He may have worked in construction, you know, at least sometimes. He may have made yokes for oxen and, and plows or, or repaired farm implements. We don't know exactly, but he's Manual labor, and that's kind of what they're saying. He's not a scholar. He's not a priest. Isn't this Mary's son, they say? Now, a man was usually referred to as the son of his father. Unless, possibly, possibly, unless his father was dead. Joseph may have died by this point. Or unless, perhaps, there was some doubt and some talk about who his father really was or wasn't. You know, Mary's boy, who knows who his father is. We know his brothers and they're named. We know his sisters that are not named, but they're nothing special. Who does he think he is? And why isn't he at home working? You know, especially if Joseph has died. He's the eldest son. He has responsibilities for his, to his family and his community. And here he is, he's gallivanting around Galilee, all oh, these ne'er-do-wells, including women. Right? They, they can't, or maybe they won't, see God at work, the presence and power of God, the Word of God, in someone like this and someone like him. I'm think Mark tells this story so we can say, oh, those idiots in Nazareth, oh, those awful people. He tells it, at least in part, because we sometimes maybe have similar issues. Not exactly the same, of course, but similar. Same kinds of problems. We too, have trouble seeing God, or the Son of God, in our world, among us. You know, is this, when we take communion, It's this little piece of bread, which doesn't even usually look much like bread. It's this little piece of bread that we take in our hands. Is this really the body of Jesus? When I touch it, do I touch Jesus? Does Jesus touch me? And is my life and my death joined to his when I eat this bread and drink this cup? It's our little community of Christians. Whether, even if it's only virtual now, virtual or not, virtual or real life, physical. Is our little group. Are we part of the body of Christ? Yep, Really? Does Jesus send us out to preach the good news and to free people from evil and oppression and to bring healing and life to the world the way he sent the the disciples? Do we really see and hear and touch the kingdom of God here among us in our church in each other? And this old lady over there, this fat bald guy, or this farmer over here, or this, this kid. And this loud group of desperately poor people in the tin roof building in Africa shouting hallelujah. Or in this little group poorly dressed, badly nourished in a Latin American slum. Is this it? Is this where we see Jesus and all these, all these people? Is this is this where we hear the word of God? Is this where the power and love of God is at work in the world, bringing the kingdom in and through these people, in and through us, in and through me? We maybe have a hard time with this. I, I know I do. I, I believe it, but it doesn't always seem entirely real the way other things are real. Not the way this thing is real. The way my taxes are real. The way the, the roll it under my feet is real. What, what would happen if I If I really believe this deep down through and through, if I truly understood what it meant, if I really lived by it, what I'm saying is maybe I have something in common with these people in Nazareth. And I can't help thinking, what if Jesus isn't who we think he is either? What if Jesus isn't one of us in quite the way we think? Of course he is one of us. I mean, we're part of his family. We are, he said, his brothers and his sisters, his followers. But what if, what if he doesn't share all my opinions? What if he doesn't entirely agree with me? What if in some ways he's a disruptive stranger? What if the Jesus I think I know, The Jesus I am familiar with, the Jesus I am comfortable with, the Jesus I want. What if he isn't in some way, maybe even in important ways, what if that isn't who Jesus really is? Maybe if I saw and heard him for who he he was or who he is, maybe I wouldn't like him quite so much. Maybe I wouldn't agree with him maybe i take offense at him too maybe i am seeing him as someone like me trying to make him like me rather than seeing him as he is and becoming like him what should i do because i know i don't know how but i know i i'm doing these things and i know it is hard for me to see jesus here and present and at work. What should I do? What what do we do if if we maybe see ourselves a little bit in the people of Jesus' hometown? Paul puts it this way in the second reading. Whenever I'm weak, not sneaky, whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. When we're weak, rather when we admit that we're weak, when we're not putting up our defenses and pretending to be something we're not, then God's power can work in us and God's grace can work in us. When we know that we don't know and that we might be doing it wrong, and for sure we got something wrong or some things, we just don't know what they are. When we know this, when we admit this, when we're willing to, then we're willing to listen. And we're willing to see, and and we're open to receive something new, something we don't have now, more of what God wants for us, and we can change. So if you're thinking, as I am, maybe I'm just a little bit like those people in Nazareth, that is from God, who loves us, who is here with us, with me, with you wherever you are it's a gift because when we know we're weak god can work
1: in us thanks be to god amen let's confess our faith
0: i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Each portion of the prayer will end. Lord, hear our prayer. Holy God, Your grace is amazing beyond comprehension, surrounding and filling all creation. We give you thanks for your unbounded love, for glimpses of your kingdom, for faith lived and visible, for hope that will not let go, for joy that has come in the morning. Lord, hear our prayer. Where weeping lingers, where grief overwhelms, where fires rage, where there is justified anger or unjustified anger or contempt, where cynicism threatens or hopelessness, where there is sickness or fear or grief. We pray for those we name in our hearts or out loud and for those who have no one to pray for them. Give us courage and wisdom to act, to let you work through us in our weakness. Lord, hear our prayer and where we have tried to pull away, ignoring our part, whitewashing history, accepting lies as truth. Help us stand firm in your call and your promise And give us courage to live your truth according to your way in order that all may have life. Lord, hear our prayer. Jesus, you were a builder on earth. Build us into your household and fill the house with your spirit. Hold us together and never let us go. When we are tempted, give us your heart and break us open to love one another as you love us. Lord, hear our prayer. You, O God, are the builder of the house, and we your living stones. Ground us in the word preached by your apostles and prophets, and build us into your kingdom. Open our hands as you open our hearts. Move us by your spirit to reach out beyond our comfort, beyond our understanding, into the work of your hope and promise. We pray in the name of the one whose empty hands stretch out to all creation, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let's say the prayer that Jesus taught us Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Power of Christ Jesus and the light of the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you today in the coming month and always.